Got your Bibles? Turn to Luke, 17th chapter. Luke, 17th chapter. He's looking for something. We're going to take a story from Luke, chapter 17. Beginning in the 11th verse, a story that happened during Christ's time. It this particular time, we believe, was in the winter time. Uh, we we experienced some cold temperatures, so we know what winter's like. Uh, I want you to think a little bit about that. It's just a miracle is about to happen when it happens outside the town, outside the city. It's winter time. I want you to think about this. It's it's, it's cold. Now, what's about to happen is uh, Christ is going to show up and, and people are going to be uh, healed because of who he is. But before he ever got there, it was wintertime. And they wouldn't do it so well. Things wasn't so, so good for them. So just put that all into your mind. We hope to give you some lessons that we see from this scripture about something maybe you could take into this new year and find some some uh, some help and some growth. So let's read in Luke's writing in the 17th chapter, beginning in the 11th verse. And it says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, you've heard this preached before. I actually was reading through the scripture, and I couldn't really recall it as well as I wanted to, but I believe I remember a time of Brother Lee Earl preaching about where are the nine. I just, that come to my mind, Sister Rowe might maybe able to tell me, maybe y'all might be able to tell me him preaching from that scripture, but I don't know why, but it just seemed to come echo in my ears, where are the nine? Now, that's not what we're going to preach this morning, but it's a good thing to think about. Where are those else who God has been good to? Where are they this morning? We might ask, look around and see the church house and say, maybe there's some that's missing that ought to be here. Yeah. Maybe there's some that could be here, uh, but chose not to. I'm sure there are those who are unable, but there are those who are able. And so just where are the nine? That's just a little side message there. And you can think back on that scripture. I want to start back in verse 11, and I want you to see some things that jump out at you as we read through. Verse 11 says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. So Jesus is on a journey here. Y'all see the picture? He's headed somewhere. He's headed to Jerusalem. He's got a destination in mind. But the Bible tells us 
that either A, he's walking on the boundary between these two places, Galilee, and, and, and this other place of Samaria, or he's going between them. He's, he's sometimes in this land, and sometimes he's in this land. He's going through these places. Now, I want you to see a lot of Jesus' ministry is spent traveling, going somewhere. As a matter of fact, it says, as he went. And I really think that sums up a lot of what Jesus did. He went. He, he didn't just sit down at home uh, and stay at home. But the, but the Bible says, he said, I must be about the Father's business. And so he was going. He, he was doing. And that's what Jesus said. He said, I, I come to save that which was lost. That's what he come here for. So he didn't just sit at home, but rather he went a-doing. And so that, that's what he's doing. He, he's traveling here. Now, you need to understand something that... The Sumerians and those who would be from uh, Israel in Galilee didn't like one another. They didn't like one another one bit. Uh, matter of fact, the Jews called the people in Samaria, they called them like half-blood or mixed-blood. They, they, they felt like that they were not as good as, it, as them because of, of the way their lineage had run. And so they didn't associate with them. The fact that Jesus went out of his way. We know the woman at the well, where was she at? She was in Samaria. He told his disciples, I must needs go. He, he, he had a place that he had to be at. So he wasn't afraid to get among those who the other world didn't want to. But notice this. He didn't go looking for the ten lepers. Now he knew where they were at. But he was on a journey going somewhere. And, and if you'll notice in the scripture, many of the miracles Jesus performed were interruptions. Y'all remember the lady who had the issue of blood, right? And the Bible says that there was a crowd around her. So, so tight, the crowd was around her that, that nobody could just get to her. And, but somehow or another, she just, she wiggled her way through because she wanted to touch what? Y'all know the story. The hem of his garment. Y'all know the story, right? <coughs> he, he wasn't stopping to talk to her. But he was available. I want y'all to get, I want y'all to get a hold of this right here real quickly. Jesus didn't go beat down the ten lepers' door, but he walked by them. You ever think about this? You come to church and you say, oh, I hope we get a blessing today. And then you leave here and say, well, I just didn't get nothing. That preacher, he just dries off and get out. And that slinging, it wasn't worth a flip. And you didn't get nothing. But what happened was is Jesus walked by your way, but you didn't reach out to touch him. You ever think about that? Look how many times in the scripture. Think about the miracle where he turned the water to wine. He was just at the marriage ceremony. He wasn't there to change water to wine. He didn't go to perform a miracle, but they had need of him. And he was available. Y'all see in this picture? Very few times do you find where Jesus went to do, go do something to somebody. He went by them. He was going, as it said here, as he went. Yeah. You know, he is who he is. He doesn't force himself upon us. But he's there if you want to take him. He's there if you want to just reach out and touch him. He's there if you want to have what he's got to offer. And so that's what it is here. He's traveling on his way. And an interruption occurs. Can I tell you something else? Just a little secondary point here for you. Take the interruptions of life and understand that they're opportunities for you to act like Christ. You know, Christ could have said, hey, I'm on a journey here. I'm headed to Jerusalem. I've not got time for this. He could have done that. How many times do the interruptions of our life 
the things that get in the way, we say, I ain't got time for that. Uh, Brother Jeremy spoke well in Sunday school. He talked about the homeless people on the street. And I, I was like, if he'll just go ahead and preach, he'll preach my message. He's so close to it. He's just hitting all over. It's like throwing hand grenades. He's just getting right at it. And I, I got thinking, you know, how often do we just go on by? Yeah. Because what? We got other priorities. But God put interruptions in our lives to get our attention because there's a work he's trying to do in our lives. Think about it. I'm telling you, the worst times of your life are some of the greatest opportunities for Christ to work in your life. I'm telling you, I, I, just a, a death of a beloved family member is a perfect time for Christ to get involved. A great sickness, a great loss. I'm telling you, you lose your job. Farmers used to lose their crops because it wasn't raining. And who did they call out to? Called out to the Lord. You got to send some rain. We're going to die here. The, the, the disciples were in the ship and the storm was a rocket. That interruption into their journey was the best thing that could have happened to them because they got to go downstairs and wake up the master. The interruptions in life are opportunities for you to see that Christ is working in your life. And so the Bible says there in verse 11 says, and it came to pass as he went. Can I tell you, he comes by all the time and we just don't even pay no attention. Don't even reach out and get a hold of him. Now let's go a little further. It says verse 12, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. Now, now, I, now I said this is a, a, good, a good text to learn some things about how we might go into the new year. And I can't tell how you might judge this year that has been. You know, if we just stopped and said, you know, was that a good year or a bad year? I've heard in the last few days people talking different things. Uh, we was at the funeral. Uh, there was another opportunity. I heard some folks talking, and they were talking about this year, this past year. Talking about how it was a tough year or it was a good year. I can't, I can't, I can't describe for you what your year has been, and nobody really can understand except you, who lived through that year. But I want to talk to you about these ten men. Now I told you this is winter time, and they're lepers. So let me just tell you, this is stuff you probably already know, but I just want to remind you of it. Leprosy was was a disease. Uh, today we don't call it really by the same name. What they were really talking about. Uh, there's a, several forms of leprosy. But the leprosy that's most known and most written about in historical books that we can read and learn from really tell us that this was a pretty ugly disease. It started off with sores on the skin and on the body that were pretty painful and would open up, and it was very visible to the world. The world knew that you were a leper uh, because you were marked. Uh, but the problem was is it was a very slow, debilitating disease. In other words, it didn't just knock you off the next day. No, and little by little, especially in your extremities, your hands and in your feet and in the joints, they would begin to wear out. Literally, begin to wear into nothingness, where fingers and toes may begin to fall off until the whole hand or arm would fall off the body. Leprosy can last anywhere from 10 years to 30 to 40 years of extreme pain until it resulted in the death of the individual, usually through infection. Now, don't you think about this. Here are 10 guys, and the only reason they're together is because they're not allowed in town. And all they can do is complain about the state that they're in together. It's the middle of winter. 
and they have no home. Anytime anybody gets within a hundred feet out of them, a uh, hundred feet of them, they have to cry out, unclean, unclean. Don't come near me. Now, I don't know how your Christmas was this year, but, you know, most people get together with their family. What if you was the one that had to stay home and say, I'm sorry, I can't come. I'm unclean. Think about how they were ostracized. Think about how they were in continual pain. What I'm trying to get across here is this, this thing called leprosy. We've read it so many times. We've heard it in our Bible stories so many times. And we started off learning about this when we were little kids. That, that we failed to really understand it was really, really bad. Really, really, really bad. Uh, it, it, it was something we can't begin to imagine how painful it must have been. They didn't have the medicines that we have to ease pain. You know, we'll take a medicine at the drop of a hat. I don't feel good. I'm going to go get some. I'm going to feel better. They didn't have that. See, I want you to understand the circumstance that Jesus walked into. He could have been anywhere else. Matter of fact, most Jews would have walked around Samaria. They wouldn't even went through the land. They would have walked around it. That picture of that homeless guy, and I've seen that video you're talking about with that, that preacher dressed up as a homeless person. I saw that, that video of that guy. And, and for a while, he's outside the front of the church. And, and you can see the people walk around him. Like, I'm not going to get close. Like, I don't want to get too, too, too near here. Jesus went through that. And he went right into the middle of that situation where these ten lepers are. Now, now granted, that apparently they had heard about him. The, the Bible says that they lifted up their voices. Now, notice there that they didn't shout. It says they lifted up their voices because they couldn't have shouted. So again, we need to think about this thing called leprosy they have, which would attack the vocal cords. And the best they could do was really a, a really hoarse whisper. And so they would have lifted up their voices as the best they could to cry out to him. They were in pitiful shape. They were in a bad condition. Now this is not the first time that Jesus has healed a leper. In Luke, I believe it's the fifth chapter, uh, there is where he cleanses the first leper, cleanses one, he cleanses the singular one. Now I want you to just get this picture right here. I, I, I thought about this over and over again. Why ten? Why ten? You know, we don't see that anywhere else. We don't see uh, other places where there are ten people that he, he healed at the same time. Not like that. We see where he fed the thousands. I see uh, where he's done big miracles. But, but anytime he uses a number to me, that kind of jumps out at me. Why 10? Well, to cleanse somebody of leprosy like he did in Luke chapter 5 was an amazing thing. And I'm sure the people just thought, wow, that's unbelievable. But now here, he's come up on a big old group of them, and there's 10 of them. Why 10? Now, I'm you here with the Lord. I really planned it down in my heart. <coughs> the cleansing of one leper was a miracle. The cleansing of ten lepers is ten times the miracle. Are y'all with me? In other words, no matter what year you've had, hear me now, no matter where you've been this past year, or any other year for that matter, or what trial or trouble or tribulation you've been through, Christ has got ten times the ability to handle it. 
Are y'all hearing me? Ten times the ability to handle the worst thing that you've ever been through. And he's just a walking through it. I want you to think about that. You're in the midst of the situations of life, and he's just, he's, he's just right there available, ready to interrupt your situation if you just but cry out to him. He's right there. He makes himself available. Now, let's, let's read on. And the, and the Bible goes on and says, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They knew that he was the one that could give them the help that they were in need of. Verse 14 says, And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. So I'm going to stop right there for just a moment. I need to explain that. Go show yourselves unto the Why in the world is go show yourselves unto the priests? Well, the book of Leviticus, which tells the law for Jews to live under, gives the exact description of what you're supposed to do. There's a whole chapter, about 34 or some odd verses there, that'll tell you what you're supposed to do if you're a leper, but you get healed of it. Now, there's no recorded cases in the Bible, to my knowledge, of anybody ever doing this. But he wrote it down way back then. So here he is. Now Jesus has come hundreds of years later, and he's saying, now here's what you need to do. You need to go to the priest because that's what they had to do. In order to prove that you were no longer a leper, you had to go make certain sacrifices and you had to show yourself to the priest and the priest would have to declare you clean. And once the priest had declared you clean, then you can enter back into society. Now again, I don't know if that ever happened before. I don't read any place where it ever happened before, but maybe it did. Uh, I, I just don't know of it. But he tells these ten men, I want you to go show yourselves to the priest. Which means that they're clean, but they're not clean yet. Are you with me? In other words, he's saying, I want you to go take the step that would be taken had you already been clean of leprosy, even though you're not. In other words, he's saying, I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to take a step in the direction, even though nothing's happened yet. Nothing had happened to them. They were still lepers. Still covered in leprosy, still hurting all over, still everything that they were. And the only thing that's changed is Jesus said to them, go show yourself to the priest. Now I want you to think about this. How simple a thing was it for them to go show themselves to the priest? That's a pretty easy thing. All I got to do is walk and go to the temple and show themselves to the priest. Pretty easy thing. Except if they show up as lepers, well, then that might be some trouble. They're probably going to be thrown out. They may even be put to death because they brought leprosy into the city. Okay, are you all with me? So, so an easy thing, but it feels kind of difficult. It feels kind of challenging. Well, the Bible says, now this is, what's, this is really amazing right here, and a lot of people miss this in this scripture. They read right past it. He says, go show yourselves in the priest. And it says, and it came to pass... That as they went, that, stop, don't, don't get to the collision yet. Hold on now. He says, go show yourself the priest. And they say, okay, let's go. And the ten of them take off towards the priest, still covered in leprosy. Now, I want you to understand, there's a huge moment of faith happening right here. Because every one of them said, yes, Lord, we'll obey you. Imagine for a moment, will you, in this church house, if God said, church, this is what I want you to do. And we were all obedient at the same time. Woo. Because really, I'll tell you what happens in church most of the time. One or two. Mm -hmm. Three or four. Might be obedient in a moment. 
in a service. I can't imagine. And what happened here was a miracle happened. It says as they went, they were cleansed. So as they were obedient or faithful to God, then the miracle happened. Now you know what we do, right? We get in the middle of situations, circumstances, and trials, and we sit down and we say, Lord, help us. And he says, I will. But you're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to serve me. And we're like, but, but, but you had not done nothing yet. We live in a society today that expects to get without ever doing anything. Amen. Well, amen that one right there, because that's getting realer every day. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. We live in a society that feels like the world owes them something. Yeah. Amen. And I'm telling you, Christ came and bled and died. They didn't deserve that. Amen. He's given a free gift, and they didn't deserve that. But they ain't willing to take it. The world rejects Christ, and the world rejects salvation. It's rejecting Christians left and right. I'm telling you, we live in an entitled society that doesn't deserve anything but thinks it does. These two men could say, well, hold on, wait a second. You had the ownership. Matter of fact, that would be the logical thing to say. That would have been the logical thing to say. But can I tell you that following Christ isn't always about being logical, it's about being faithful? Amen. It's not always about being logical. I said some crazy things happened in church. It wasn't logical. It made, it made no sense. But it was faithful. I remember watching a lady washing another lady's feet with a little cups, you know, a little smaller than this cup, because that's what she had there. And she just began to wash her feet. And I thought, that's not logical at all. She had pantyhose on and everything. But it was faithful. Because the spirit was just overflowing. Can I tell you, church, when we begin to be more faithful to God and less about form and logic and reason, that he'll begin to show up in our lives? That's right. You say, well, I hadn't seen him. I haven't Let me tell you, he's always been on the move. Even when he left, hear me now, even when he left this world, he said, I won't leave you alone. I'll send you a comforter. Yeah. He sent his spirit. Now think about this. He come as the form of a man. And that man could only touch the people that was around him. So when he went to heaven, he said, that's not good enough, God. Don't send another man. Send a spirit. Because the spirit can touch us all. At the same time. Can I tell you, he's going everywhere. He's got a plan to go your way. In the middle of your turmoil and situation. Right. If we just reach out and touch him. And then act in faith rather than our own logic and our own knowledge. Now, all that was good for the starters. Now, I want to give you the word. And this is the word God gave me. The ten men were healed. Verse 15 says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice, oh, that sounds different than the first time. Y'all remember that? Because they was hoarse. And they couldn't hardly talk. All they could do was lift up their voice. But now with a loud voice. Now with a loud voice because he, he's been healed. And he's, he's been made clean. And it says he turned back with a loud voice. He glorified God. See, he stopped the journey. He, he wasn't at the temple yet. Hadn't been to the priest yet. But he realized God had done something in his life. And so he went back and he gave praise. Now here's the word. What we come here to do at church is to praise God. 
That's what we that's what we come here for. When we sing songs, that's what we're doing. We're praising God. When when we testify of his love, that's what we're doing. We're praising God. When you listen to the word of God and you begin to take it in and you thank him for it, there's a praise going on that, that happens here in this <coughs> congregation as a group. But hear me now. When do we individually praise God? See, it's easy. Brother Jeremy, you said, I tell you, if you just went ahead and preached, brother, you would preach it. He said in Sunday school, he said, oh, we'll come to church on Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday night and we'll get up and praise God. But what are we doing the rest of the time? Yeah. Can I tell you this? If you're not praising God individually, when you come together as a group, as a whole, sure it's hard to praise Him. Can I tell you what's wrong in our churches? We're not living in faith and we're not praising God. In the morning, we get up, we got plans, we got things to do, we got to get about our business, and we get up and get our business, and, and God never comes with us. I don't know if any of you got the opportunity. I did not get the opportunity. I wish I had to go see Lebanon's Christmas play. Anybody? Anybody here go see Lebanon's Christmas play? No? Me neither. I wish I had. I, I, I won't talk to him about it because I'm really intrigued because this is what I heard about. I heard that this is how the story goes. That there was a lady and she has an apartment or house or whatever and Jesus comes and she invites him in and there's Jesus and they have this great relationship and things are going well and, and they're talking and sitting around the table and everything's just good but then there's a knock at the door and she goes and she looks at the curtains piece and sees who it is and she goes and gets Jesus and goes and puts him in the closet and then she goes and opens the door and invites them in and they have their conversation, right? And everything's good and they have a good time and then they leave. And she goes and she gets Jesus out of the closet and then they sit back down the table and talk and then there's another knock at the door. She goes and looks, oh, oh, oh so-and-so, you know. So she goes and gets Jesus and she puts him back in the closet. I don't know the whole play. I wish I'd seen it because there's a really good message there. We spend so much of our time leaving Jesus out. Yeah. Yeah. Hiding him in the closet, ashamed of him. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many people have said to me, I can't believe you sit there and you'll bow your head and pray over your food in front of other people. I've had people ask me about it, question me about it. Christians. I ain't never been questioned by a non-Christian, by the way. Boy, I, I, I'm so glad you do that. You know what I ask myself? Why don't they? Can I, can I tell you, if you ain't willing to go back and praise him all the time, you don't have much relationship with him. But this message, I've heard it preached so many times about where the nine at. But I want to know where the one's at. Where's the one who's willing to go back and say, Lord, thank you. To get up in the morning and give him the first of the morning. Give him the first of every day. Give him the first of every dollar that you earn. Give him the first of every bit of your time. Give him the first day of the week. We can't even give him Sunday anymore. We're the ones. Because the world's full of nine. You know, we've 
church, we want to see our new year go differently. We got to act differently. We want to see God come in here and just do a mighty work. I want you to know it don't start here. It starts in your prayer closet at home. My prayer closet at home. Where I develop a relationship. Because I want you to know, people who praise God all the time, you know it. You know it. You can see it on Something about them. They're just different. Something just different about them. They just got the Lord. They come in. They fired up. I used to wonder all the time when I was little, growing up, there's this lady. Uh, uh, Sister Galloway was her name. And boy, now she would shout at the drop of a just Just service get going. And, she's, she's, and I always thought, man, now, what has she got? Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking what a kid thinks because I was just a child growing up. And I just think, well, I, I think I could. Kind of like that, what she's got. But she sure is excited. Can I tell you, she was excited before she got there. She got excited probably when she was on her hands and knees praying. And God says, listen, I've been with you all the way, sister. She probably got excited when she saw his hand work. And she went back to thank him for the miracle that he provided for her family. She probably got excited when she saw her children get saved. Yes. And that time that prayer closet prayed up paid off. Yeah. Can I tell you, she come to church already ready to praise God. Why? Because she's been practicing praising him at home. We're the ones who go back and say, God, thank you. I'm going to give you today and tomorrow <coughs> and the next day. We're the ones. Church, we start doing that. We'll see things happen right here. That's right. Sure will. And I want you to know we wouldn't have to worry about whether or not the lost come in here to get saved or whatever because they'll be interrupting us just like they interrupted Jesus. Mm -hmm. Saying, we want what you got. Can you help us? Come get a verse of song. It's a new year that's coming. Whether we like it or not, it's here. Whether we had a good year or bad year, it's coming. Yeah. How will you meet the new year? Will you meet it with regrets? With wishes and things that you wish you had done, wish you'd been? Will you miss it? Will you will you meet that new year ready to be the one? So I'm gonna I'm gonna give God my best. I'm gonna give you my first this year. Not wait till this what's left over when I got a little time. I want to give you my best. Church, it's time for us. Stand with us all over the house.